the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, a little wealth creation, a little wealth management. Focusing on wealth and much, much more. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great, Rob. How are you? Good. Now, recently we've had <clears throat> a very dramatic market. And I also recently was going through some old emails where a client had sent kind of a request to get out of the market. He was panicked, and it was five years ago. And it was just this classic reminder that uh, individuals panic at the wrong time because the market ran up 235% since then. Uh, but he wanted out. He knew he had heard something on CNBC, and recently, you know, you turn on CNBC, and one expert will come out and say the market's going lower, or one expert will come out and say the market's going higher. How have you handled the recent market volatility? Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, the, I received the majority of the calls regarding should we buy more right now? Or, and, you know, I'm pretty much fully invested. The only thing that I was looking at is how deep will the correction in small caps get? Will they get to a point where fundamentally they look like an overweight? And um, they're still, you know, a bit expensive on the small cap growth side. Some of the small cap value and dividend paying stocks are fairly attractive. But it wasn't the, the level of panic that CNBC might make you think it is. And what's interesting is when people get through a point where, oh my gosh, things have fallen. I didn't, I forgot about market corrections. They'll look and read, look at and read only the things that will confirm their fear and they'll become more fearful. Okay. And, you know, it's, it, financial media is getting a little bit ridiculous about that. Um, yeah, we had a correction in oil prices, a pretty deep correction, almost to the, you know, 20% bear market point. We had nearly a 10% correction in some technology and small cap and uh, some emerging market areas. But, I mean, look at how fast things bounce back. So if people sell out thinking that it could fall farther, they just missed out on a rebound. And it just doesn't pay to try to time the market. It never seems to work out for people. And if they get it right once, then they never remember how to get back in. or They're too scared to get back in, and then they see the market run up. Know exactly which client you're talking about, that doctor client that kept him in the market. And he's really, really happy he was, you know, kept his money where it was, right? Absolutely. I just throw that out there because I think that's recently on everyone else, everyone's mind per se. Yeah. Now, there's a new study out of Fidelity and talking about how people at a certain age are dealing with their 401ks, the younger people. Um, what are you reading into this under 40 study? Well, you know, I've been studying and looking at millennials for, for quite a while because um, sure. we, we run a wealth management firm, so we typically have a high account minimum, and we're working on, because technology is so much better, we're working on a, a program to help people that don't have the half a million dollars that we typically help. Um, and what I'm seeing here is pretty alarming. I mean, first of all, it's obviously a, a group of people that would rather deal with their relationships in terms of text messages and, and online and 
and, uh, you know, a go-to meeting or a Skype call or whatever versus having to sit down and drive somewhere and sit down in somebody's office, right? Sure. The other issue I'm seeing is that investors are a little bit conservative in this area, which seems a little bit backwards, right? You should be younger and, and aggressive based on what you and I have seen and, and dealt with in the, you know, 22 plus years that we've been in the business. And they don't trust Wall Street. So what happens is Fidelity did a study of 12.5 million retirement plan participants. 41% of investors between the age of 20 and 39 cash out some or all of their assets when they switch jobs in their 401k. So when they leave their current job and they might have 5000 10000 in their 401k, they're like, ah, I'm just going to take it with me. I'm just going to cash it in. I'll have 20% withheld, but then they get a tax bill the next year saying, oh my gosh, it was taxed at my state and federal bracket plus a 10% penalty. So they're getting, they're losing half of their retirement accounts every time they switch jobs. 41% of this, 41% of the people in that age group. So, you know, we think that right now baby boomers are drastically underprepared for retirement. It's a problem that's getting worse and worse. And, you know, we've got to figure out a way to, to stop this, Rob, because it is—it's going to be a really big drain on the economy. Well, I'm doing well with my retirement. Down the road. I'm doing well with my retirement. I think you are as well. So maybe we don't have to stop it. Maybe you and I will become the lords and the kings of the United States per se. Yes, we'll, we'll be the haves, not the have-nots. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the so CFP. It's bigger and bigger. CFP Chad Burton. You can meet him this Saturday. 3 to 5 at the Bay Club Redwood Shores. It's the club that I work out at. It's kind of not a country club. It's kind of a tennis club. Um, from 3 to 5, um, big event, just kind of a, a meet and greet social, little tasting of some craft brews. Um, you can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. And you can meet a lot of his uh, the employees from New Focus Financial, quote, unquote, the team. Uh, so back to 401Ks. Mm-hmm. I've heard you mention on your show Mondays through Fridays at noon here on the station a special way to deal with company stock and post-tax dollars at a 401k. Tell me a little bit more. Like, clarify this for me. Sure. Yeah, people look, um, especially, uh, you know, this happened a lot more in the past than it does now, and it happens mostly with some of the larger companies or some more, you know, companies that are almost like privately held that went public. Um, But what happens is a lot of times, people will receive their match in their 401k in the form of a company stock inside their 401k. Okay. And if that's the case, they can qualify for a special tax treatment um, when they retire and do a rollover of the, the account. And there's several rules that you have to go by to do it. But let's say you have, you know, $100,000 of company stock in your 401k, so the company that you work with. And it's got a really low cost basis. When you do your final rollover after you retire, you can actually take that that stock. You can transfer it in kind into a regular account, a regular taxable brokerage account. And when you do that, what will happen is the cost basis on on that, you'll pay capital gains on on that cost basis. And um, I'm sorry, ordinary income on that cost basis, not capital gains. And then the rest of the gain, you can eventually qualify for capital gains on once you decide to, to sell the stock. Um, and the reason why that's so important is because capital gains are so much lower than ordinary income coming out of an IRA for most people. The other thing that it does for you is that if you get that outside of the IRA, once you do the rollover, not only do you qualify for better t- tax issues, in the future, but it reduces the required minimum distributions you have to take at age 70 and a half. Um, so it, it's something that I'm not going to say it's perfect and right for everyone because if you're at a very, very low tax bracket, it might not make sense. But if you're at a higher tax bracket and you have a large amount of dollars in your 401k, it's something that you need to look at. It's a lot of something that a lot of advisors miss. It's called NUA or net unrealized appreciation. And the other thing that people are missing now too a lot of older people have pre-tax or post-tax dollars in their 401k. Back in the day, you know, sometimes you could put in extra money that was post-tax, and so it's sitting in the, in your 401k when you do a rollover. You typically receive a check for that money, and the rest goes into your IRA. You can now roll over that tax-free money into a Roth IRS rulings recently. So another 401k issue you can't miss. 
Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at his website, newfocusfinancial.com. Listen to him today, Monday through Friday at noon. Or come out this Saturday from 3 to 5 pregame. You'll be at the perfect location to watch the World Series at the Bay Club Redwood Shores. 3 to 5, the event's free, but you have to sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Welcome back in, Rob Black, and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I try to keep the show in the realm of technology, business, economy, investing, insurance. I understand that every now and then I kind of step outside that, and sometimes it's for personal reasons. Sometimes it's for let's try something different. Like, for instance, I'm coming up with a, you know, a worst possible Christmas gift top ten list. And, you know, one of them would be a vacation in Ebola-stricken country kind of thing. But the goal here is to say, okay, that's been a market story, Ebola. And today, not so much. Last week, very much so. And... There was SARS at one point. There was the Asian flu, which wasn't really an Asian flu. It was kind of a banking crisis. There was a banking crisis here in the United States. Um, We've had presidential affairs. We've had a dysfunctional government who refuses to, you know, fund the government and shuts down for days on ends, multiple years in a row. Like, what's going on? We've had... Fight in Iraq once, twice. We've had you know, Saddam Hussein's saber rattling in bad for him. Um, there's some twists and turns. There's some drama in the markets on a day by day basis. You know, we've had high oil. Do you remember when oil was $150 a barrel not too long ago? Anyhow, I think what I'm trying to get at this point is, is there's a lot of boogeymen out there. Um, and I hope you're okay with that. I don't think that, you know, you have to get too caught up in the, uh, the headline news. You know, Ebola's bad and very scary, and yes, it's going to kill a lot of people. And when you do a little research on it, you learn that it started with a bat, like a fruit bat of some sort. You're like, what's going on? Like, did, did people eat a bat, or did the bat eat people, or like... You, you can freak yourself out. Uh, don't. There's a study out there today. Middle class people in the United States have about $20,000 saved for retirement. Far short of the $250,000 that they think they'll need during their that time in their lives. So middle class people, which it's tough to even come up with. What is a middle class person, right? A third of working middle class adults aren't contributing anything to a 401k, IRA, or retirement plan. That's surprisingly better than I would have thought. These are people between the ages of 25 and 75, with a median household income of $63,000. Those who are putting away money for retirement are currently saving a median of $125 a month. About 61% say they're not sacrificing a lot to save for retirement, but 38% are sacrificing to tuck away money for their golden years. I work with two people in television um, that hound me to get a different car. My car is very functional. And I like, see the Tesla parked right next to yours? You should get a Tesla. I'm like, I will when I'm 50. Um, I got a Jaguar. I got a, like, people get caught up in these things, and I'm like, I have more money saved for retirement than they do. 
because I'm not giving into the impulse need now. $20,000 is what the median, the average middle class person in America saved for retirement. It's not enough. $1 million will pay you $40,000 a year. Social Security will be about 20000 And I think I, myself, after taxes, 60000 will probably be about, about 50, 45. After Medicare, Medi-Cal, Medicaid costs, maybe 40. Um, that's about what I think I can live off in a rock-bottom world. I know you're saying, you're a jerk. That's a lot of money. Maybe it is to you. It's not to me. Depends on where you live, too, you know? Depends on how you want to live. Other stories out there today. Target's betting that free shipping, more advertising, and 35,000 new items will fuel a much-needed turnaround for its holiday fortunes. I would like to see Target... Best Buy, Walmart, go the way Costco, and less is more. Um, we don't need all 35,000 new items. We don't. But uh, that's what Target's betting on. And remember, this time last year, Target had a very, very bad data reach. It's a content that has really returned to what made it great, so says some analysts. They're trying to bring ease and convenience to the consumer. Value. There's increasing signs that it'll be another lackluster Christmas for U.S. retailers. Early results from back-to-school shopping, which is considered an indicator of holiday sales. Uh, mostly disappointing so far from JCPenney's to Walmart, trimming their revenue forecast for the quarter. So the con- American consumer may not be saving for retirement, but the American consumer is not really blowing, out, blowing it out at retail either. What are they doing? Are they drinking at all? Uh, McDonald's yesterday posted its fourth straight quarter of falling same-store sales. They're going to look to some more organic foods. And this Doesn't that just have the ring of, yeah, I'm not going to say gross, but maybe. You know, like there's Whole Foods that does organics really, really well. And you kind of feel like, wow, this is really organic and fresh market. Wow, this is really organic. And farmer's markets are like, wow. When McDonald's started putting apples slices in their um, Happy Meals, kind of had that feel of like, eh, cute, cute. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's just not convincing. So they're going to look for more organic food to stem the loss of customers that have seen people jump to other firms. Just most notably, easily, uh, Chipotle. What's got to burn McDonald's is they once owned Chipotle and they spun it off. Had they kept it, what an investment. But they probably, well, maybe it wouldn't have been such a great investment. Maybe they would have run into the ground. Maybe they would have, you know, made McBurritos or something. Uh, McBean and cheese. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Consumer prices rose one-tenth of one percent in September. And we look at this because, again, we always are studying wages and job creation. A drop in gasoline prices tempered inflation for the third straight month. Now, that's good and bad because gasoline kind of tends to be a little on the volatile side. So-called core prices, which exclude food and energy ticked up one-tenth of a percent, so there's not a lot of inflation out there. Uh, Drops were offset by a three-tenths percent rise in food and prices uh, to shelter yourself. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. 
you have questions, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Social Security benefits. Millions of older Americans rely on them. Uh, they are to go a little bit higher. Annual cost of living adjustment, also known as a COLA. COLA, not Coca-Cola, but a COLA. Affects payments to more than 70 million Social Security recipients. It will rise by 1.7%. It's third year in a row. The increase will be less than 2%, kind of based on um, inflation. But some people find a problem with it. Uh, it's not quite not quite right. Anyhow, and anyway, you can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. Let's talk a little bit of real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, talking a little real estate. And Tony and I are friends, and we go back ways. And he does all my mortgage loans, and anytime I need to refer someone, I know that he gets the job done. Um, he and I talk on a regular basis, and one of our conversations recently was, I think you should consider buying or pushing Oakland as the next big thing in large part because the Google buses, because the Facebook buses, it's telling me that people are willing to travel large distances to get to work, and they want affordable housing. They also want a party in San Francisco, but they want affordable housing. And I look at the affordable housing of Oakland as attractive compared to San Francisco enormously. And I think the next wave of jobs, maybe it's people getting fired, maybe it's maybe the jobs don't come, but I think if jobs come, I think you know an area like in Oakland will do very, very well. What's your thoughts? Well, the first important thing that you said was it's affordable or more affordable. And the Bay Area, everybody knows the Bay Area is expensive. I mean, median home price is over $500,000. And that pertains to Oakland as well. There's several $500,000 homes plus. Um, but, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people have to start considering, places like the East Bay, Oakland, San Leandro, Hayward, Fremont, so on. Well, Fremont, maybe not so much. The, their, their median price is over 600000 But it's all about affordability, and people are starting to look at places like Oakland and, and Jacklin and condos and so forth. There was a big condo rush in Oakland, um, and which has driven the the community there. There's a really nice um, night, uh, uh, nightlife in Oakland. You know, the Fox Theater's there, Broadway, Telegraph area is really nice. I'll be and honest with you. I went to a show. I saw a train, I think it was. Well, somebody's in there. You saw the the girl. What's her name? Um, pianist. Yeah. What is her name? Uh, 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 that one. That one. Um, long story short, got really drunk. Had a good time. Partied. Stayed at a hotel right across from the Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca something. Why am I forgetting this? Anyway, neither here nor there. I think it, it's vibrant enough. Regina. Regina Spector. You're correct. Okay. So, different topic different topic um and i might have been the only straight male there that night just so you know just so you know um so is there a chance that we're wrong about potentially thinking that the next big thing is oakland when in reality like you mix that with people under 35 they're future home buyers they're the future jobs that we need to come in and support an area again i own no real estate in oakland i'm just you know talking this through that i don't think anyone can afford my city um, they could afford the outskirts of my city, which I guess maybe that's the outskirts of the San Francisco, is Oakland. And should people be looking at the outskirts of great cities, or should they be looking at Oakland? Oh, uh, I, I would look in. I would. It's all up to. Uh, that's a tough question, Rob. Because I know there's no right answer. There is no right answer. Uh, first-time home buyers, especially, are are getting squeezed. Their rents are going up. Home prices are going up. Rates are going up. There's no inventory. I mean, what, how, how worse of a scenario can you have? Um, and, and that eventually is going to turn neighborhoods in, in, into better neighborhoods. There's going to be some transitions, and Oakland is one of them in the outlying areas of Oakland, uh, and we're already starting to see that. Um, there was a big condo push like we had talked about, and, and that's revitalizing a lot of the businesses in, in, that are nearby, and, and that's going to continue spreading. Uh, the, the area between Berkeley and Oakland, that's being revitalized, uh, and home prices are going up. Taxes are going up. Uh, revenues from taxes are going up. So it, it, it's a snowball effect, um, so to speak. And at the same time, a lot of more people are able to refinance and stay in their home. So um, I like Oakland. I like the East Bay. There's it, This morning, traffic was great. I was okay. able to get up and down 880 at 6 o'clock this morning. That's it rare. Was, it, which is rare. Typically, there's a couch on the road. 
you know what's funny is I hear, you know, I check the traffic reports, and 880 is great. You know, there's always something on 580 or 680, and never on 880, rarely. Except for a, a except for the cow. Tra- track your trailer flipped tra- over. Into three all right, East Bay, I know what you're trying to say. But, you know, I, I like the fact that you've changed your you tune. You know that I'm, oh, you know. I've, you've changed your tune on, on East Bay. I'm not. I a, like it. No, I'm, I'm saying you always have to look at the opportunities and trends. And I am fascinated by the millennials because they don't mind smaller spaces. So I think if Oakland hits, I think it will be in the condos and townhouses, which I typically it, it don't. There's so few inventory right now in condos, and, and all of them are expensive. But there's a lot of people that still could be, as you use the word, pushed out. Um, I use the word gentrification. It goes back to my time in New York when I saw Hell's Kitchen go from a rough neighborhood to a lot of yuppies sipping you know, um, grass tea. And I think the same thing happens in Oakland, where yep. the taxes go up. I think people get pushed out. I think the anger that you saw in San Francisco over Google buses, I think, turns into the anger that you'll see in Oakland is, again, money, money talks. And rent control loses over time as landlords and owners want desperately to get higher costs out of uh, – higher payments out of people. Anyhow, and anyway, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good resource for all things tied towards real estates and loans, BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Uh, I think it's the biggest mistake people make, and it's typically unfortunate, but they do. Um, you have financial questions, don't be afraid to ask. It's okay. Drop me an email, Rob at RobBlackShow.com. It's Rob at RobBlackShow.com. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. You know, Taking a look at the markets, uh, we're up. Across the board, um, there's, you know, I'm looking at Germany, I'm looking at France, I'm looking at the Chinese Asian markets, uh, United States, it's up. So we'll take it, pleased with it. Consumer prices inched up as energy costs fail. Um, you know, the, the failure of oil has created a fall in prices of gasoline. So don't get too excited because that tends to be wonderful when it's a tax cut. Literally, Americans are saving 40-plus billion dollars because of the fall of gasoline. And we'll use that money because we do. Stock market rebound gets very, very, very real in the last week. It's nice to see. Again, let's not jump up and down. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, and let's not act foolish. I guess I should probably talk about um, Yahoo. Yahoo had a pretty good quarter. Maybe my crush is back on, Marissa Meyer. Last night's earning call was spirited defense of her decisions. So she's hearing... The social media, the tide towards financials, criticizing her. She said in the call, Yahoo has the best tax experts in the country working intensively on structures to maximize the value to our shareholders of our remaining stake in Alibaba. She befriended Alibaba before the big IPO to make sure that they could save as much of it as they could. Yahoo could lose money selling its stake in Alibaba, so they're trying to figure out everything they can to do to create more value in it. Yahoo spent $7.7 billion to buy back shares. That's 24% of the company. That's well above what Yahoo said it would do. Yahoo has only spent $1.6 billion on acquisitions since she's taken over. There's been a lot of heat that she's on a buying binge. $1.3 of that $1.6 billion was spent on two companies. Tumblr's revenue is growing, and it's on pace to do over $100 million in revenue next year. That was one of the big ones they bought for $1.1 billion. It will be earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization positive. The native advertising business, which is brand new, is on a $250 million run rate. Gross revenue from mobile advertising will be $1.2 billion this year. She also said we have nearly 2,000 performance-related departures in the company. She's slimmed it a bit. Yahoo had a good earnings presentation for sure. The tone and content were both improved over previous calls. It's been a rough quarter. For the first two years, Mayor got the benefit of the doubt on every decision. Uh, I don't know if this is fair to say. I'll say it. 
She's a good-looking woman, and she came from Google, where she was considered a golden child. Um, but the honeymoon's over, and that's why, you know, you had one to two years to do what you can. Um, the stock went up. Shareholders were very happy on Alibaba, and I think they'd be wise to hold on to it and kind of be an Alibaba trade, because Alibaba's doing probably more things functionally correct than Yahoo, but they get the benefit of that. She was dealt a bad hand at Yahoo. Um, some activist shareholders have kind of flipped on her. She had a horrible hiring of Henri de Castro, who got way overcompensated and turned into bad negative headline news. Think of it coming up this Saturday, 3 to 5, at the Bay Club Redwood Shores. It's the tennis club that I go to. Uh, we're going to be playing a little bocce ball, a little financial planning conversation, bring your portfolios. You can learn more about the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's a great way to support the show. Take a break here. Be right back. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Is failing to rally home buyers? Is that proof that low mortgage rates are not the key to home ownership? Rates dropped to their lowest level in nearly 18 months last week, causing an 11.6% rise in applications. The gains, however, were driven by refinances and not necessarily people trying to get in on a new home. Refinance applications jumped a whopping 23%. Mortgage applications to purchase new home saw no boost at all from the lower rates. Now, again, it kind of came out about pretty dramatically. And I think people don't really buy houses dramatically. I think they kind of think it through and say, this is where I'm going to try to get into when I'm going to try to get into it. Um, so that's the idea there. Let's talk a little more real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining me now. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. I was listening to a recent show of yours, Tony, and the topic came up about buying rentals, and it was a 1031 expert, and it was kind of confusing about you should always buy rentals and sometimes live in them and then buy rentals again. Tell me a little bit about who it was, what you were talking about. Uh, Bay Area Expert, 1031 Exchange uh, Services, uh, James Caius. Uh, you can always go to my website, bayarealonesource.com, and find that information out. But 1031 exchanges are, are a tool that investors can use to move profits or their, their taxable profits from one property to another without uh, assuming those taxes. Uh, and it's basically an investment to investment. And it, it, it's not just real estate. It's all other kinds of investments as well. But one of the tools that investors will use, for example, we, the example that we used in um, – for the show was a, a lady had two properties here in San Jose, okay. and she wanted to buy a property in Hawaii. So she was going to do 1031 exchange from those two properties, identify the property within 45 days in Hawaii, buy it within 80, 180 days, and move the m- money over to that property. Then she, what she wanted to know is how soon could she move into that property without, as a primary residence? Well, the answer is basically one to two years. It's uh, kind of what they call the gray area of this this whole transaction. But once she moves into the property, she will not pay taxes on that property. So what it is is a tool until she sells it or dies. Um, it's a tool that, that investors use to basically have other people pay your mortgage, build equity, and then you can transfer those taxable assets to another investment property and then move into it and never pay taxes on it. Keep in mind, that's a scenario that sounds great. Yeah. It doesn't always go that well. It doesn't. And sometimes you'll get a rental and you don't realize, like, whoops, it's a little too far from jobs. I could afford it. I'm going to do it. And then you're like, you learn that it's the jobs that you need to get tenants inside to pay that mortgage. To In that case, maybe 1031 exchange over to a, another more desirable area with well, higher rents. Yeah. So you and, and you don't pay the taxes on the sale and then you move it. You basically are deferring them. And there may not be taxes on the sale to make. To make. Like, again, 
That's the problem with real estate conversations is a lot of times the experts that are telling you how great of an idea it is, they're financially compensated and the information comes out best case scenarios. Like I, I throw, I mean, I'm a financial expert no, no, and no, I no, say I max out your 401k. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's not for everybody and it doesn't work in a, every single time, but it is a tool that, that investors can use to do that type of, let's say for example, Rob, that you, you have a property. I hate it you, when you do that. Say for example, you just went into salesperson mode. But go ahead, finish your thoughts. Let's say you have 10 properties, okay. and the first property you bought is no longer, and maybe the first two properties you bought are no longer desirable, and maybe they're not getting the rents, but you have some equity in it. Maybe you've even paid them off. You could combine those two, those two assets, the profit from those properties, and move it into a more desirable property that has higher rents so it, it, in, without paying the taxes. So it's a, like I said, it's a tool that can be used, and it's available for investors. Okay. I mean, it's essentially like that. And 1031 is just a code in the IRS tax. Starker Exchange, whatever you want to call it. Starker Exchange is another word for it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. So it's just financial code for the IRS tax code that mm-hmm. allows you to move from property, uh, move from rental. No, no, what's the word? I'm looking for investment property to investment property. Right. Like asset to like asset. And that's the kicker phrase. And why would you want to work with a, an expert in this area? Like, why not just... Do it well, the law the law requires that you have an escrow company help you do the transaction. Okay, they, they're the ones who are actually monitored by the Fed or uh, regulated uh, to make sure that you're following the rules about identifying a property in a certain period of time and selling the pro- uh, and then buying the new property and having funds move from escrow to that property. So my rental property in North Carolina, if I ever get a hair up my hiney and decide that I want it closer to me, mm-hmm. I could. Do a 1031 from that one that I've had for 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. Move it to like maybe Stanford because mm-hmm. um, I have it in a college town. It doesn't have to be a college town. It could be a variety of like consequences. Yeah. So, um, but and I would hire an expert to help me technically. File. Well, you still need a realtor to sell your house, a realtor to buy your house. But in between is you're going to have an, a 1031 exchange company. Really? Yes. I'm surprised by that. Like I, I almost want to be able to do that on my own. You'd think so. Yeah, you would, right? Yeah. Here in California, you use escrow companies to buy your house and sell your house and do refinances. It's the same type of thing. So this man knows a little bit more about me on the fine details of real estate. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's Tony Mendez. does a show here on KDOW, AM 1220. Find him at KDOW.biz or his website, BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I should mention this, as it's probably bigger than me. Uh, One of the pieces of headline news this morning is tied towards a shooter in the parliament in Canada, an active shooter. More details could be found at a proper news station. Um, But at least one person down and multiple shots fired. So... The angle that I can take with that is part of the news that's leaking out is coming from Twitter. People are hiding and tweeting, Mom, I'm okay, uh, getting the message out. And that's one of the more positives here. Uh, we live in a crazy, very, very weird world uh, that I don't necessarily feel comfortable making part of my show. And I'll try not to. But from time to time, it does creep in that terrible tragedies happen on a regular basis. And that's one of the reasons I do this show is to financially prepare you as best as possible for worst case scenarios. Um, And they happen on a pretty regular basis. So it's that's all I have there. Markets are higher. That's worthy of note. S&P 500 up today, the Dow's up, the NASDAQ up. This has been a strange three-week period of just seeing a massive bounce of 15% down and back up. Um, Not 15% down, not 15% up, but 15% in movements. Very, very volatile, very easy to make a mistake, and that's why you need a good plan. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I've got my hands in my pocket. 
trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. Welcome in. Welcome back in. <clears throat> Rob Black and your money. Talking all things financial. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com. How are you today, Mr. Rosen? I'm pretty good. Good. How's the world of business economics looking? Uh, it's kind of slow. You know, we're, we're still trying to get our bearings after last week's uh, wild ride on the uh, on the ten-year Treasury. You know. And, Things started looking a little, uh, you know, unusual, so to speak. You know, we had vast movements without any economic data that would seem to suggest those type of movements, and I think things have stabilized again. But we're always looking at to see what uh, what the 10-year is going to hold for us. Now, last year, the 10-year Treasury, I think it dipped to roughly 1.86. You and I talked a lot about it. I think we even snickered like today might be a good day to lock in your your mortgage because rates it felt weird. Um, getting back to normal, was it Was it weird? Was it, you know, uh, was it panic? What was it? Well, we had a 35 basis point move in one day. You know, as our bond guys here at briefing were saying, it was like a 100-year year flood hit the market. And then I uh, ride the train with some muni traders, and, you know, last Wednesday they basically shut down because they couldn't price anything. You know, they didn't know where the 10-year was going. And you got to remember that the tenure moved in one day, and we had no economic data that day. You know, there was nothing that would suggest a reason for such a move. You know, given where we are in the economic cycle, you would expect rates to go up, not down, and, and, and that move was very unusual in that respect. I think that what we're seeing today is you know, the return to a more stable uh, tenure rate, but you know, overall, I still think it's uh, overpriced. I think that you know, yields should go up from here. You know, given where the economic situation is, given where leading indicators are pointing in the U.S. and anyhow, uh, the, the economy is in a, in a good position. It's not in a great position, but it's in a good position, and it's nowhere near as poor as a 220 uh, 10-year would suggest. Now, one of the things that we've seen today is consumer price inflation numbers come out, and they're not that inflationary. Any reading or insights into the CPI? It's saying what we've been seeing for the last several years. You know, we're in a disinflationary environment. You have, you know, year-over-year core inflation was at 1.7%, same as headline. The Fed doesn't target uh, CPI specifically, but if you look at uh, the guidelines on PCE, which is 2%, CPI tends to run about a half percentage point hotter than PCE. So if we figure the, uh, the Fed targeted 2.5%, we're you know, almost a full percentage point below that level, and we're not seeing, get, you know, we're not seeing growth. So there is no reason uh, to expect growth. You know, income gains are light at best. We're not seeing pressure coming down the pipeline from the PPI report. You know, the new services data, which is supposed to make the PPI report more uh, inclusive of all businesses, which would give us a more apt uh, explanation of how consumer trends are going to be, you know, ha- has been weak. So there is no pricing pressure. There is no inflation. And it makes the, uh, you know, the Fed be able to keep on its easy money path for much longer. Now, we've seen retail sales come out, and it's kind of back to school seasons past us a little bit, but companies like Walmart, they're not blowing it off the roof. They're saying things are a little bit muted. Do you think we're gonna, is that going to lead to a muted holiday season? Because that's a big one for the retailers. Yeah, it was kind of odd. If we look back to the September retail sales report, you know, we knew the gasoline prices were coming down, and we expected that the drop in gasoline prices were going to add discretionary income to consumers and would boost spending, you know, at retailers like 
Walmart, Best Buy, you know, even Toys R Us type stuff, where you would have a, you know, you buying goods that you didn't buy before because you couldn't afford them. You know, but we didn't see that. You know, the September report showed that consumers, you know, took the lower gasoline costs and then pocketed the savings and increased their savings rate. Uh, it could be a one-month blip. It could be consumers not fully anticipating that the uh, gasoline situation was going to last, you know, at least another month, you know, into October. But you know, it didn't give what we expected. We we, we hope to see a rise in uh, retail sales growth outside of the you know gasoline it didn't happen the question is is the savings now a permanent increase in savings and if that's true uh growth economic growth over the long term is going to be more muted which doesn't bode well for for retailers this holiday season anything on your radar that you want to talk about i think the uh existing home sales stuff was actually pretty good that came out yesterday, uh, a little bit better than I anticipated. Uh, it's not, you know, running away accelerations in demand, but it is showing that uh, we're seeing at least a stabilization of above 5 million homes per, uh, per month, which is good. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the new home sales uh, come out tomorrow, or Friday, excuse me. Uh, that number should give us a little bit better indication on how construction levels are going to do. Uh, we've seen inventory levels in the new home sector come down quite a bit, which would uh, suggest that builders should increase their uh, their construction numbers and, and boost production, which is uh, greatly needed for economic growth. So I'm, I'm interested in that. And then next week we get uh, Q3 GDP, and I'm running uh, on, on Q3 GDP. Uh, you're seeing more around 3, 3.3% um, growth from what I've seen uh, from the consensus areas from other economists. So I, I think we're going to see more of the same, but you know, not as weak as we saw in the first quarter where things contracted. Final question for you is, how do you think the back half of 2014 is shaping up, and what are you now starting to think about 2015? Because I think the story coming into 2014 was improving job market throughout the year, better back half than front half, and in 2015, interest rate hikes was the basic main stories. Yeah, I'm still seeing interest rate hikes in 2015. I think that is towards the end of 2015, I think, I think is the most likely scenario, given the fact that the labor market is improving, but there is still a considerable amount of slack. Um, we're seeing low inflation, so it's not seeing any pressure on the Fed to raise rates anytime soon. But uh, overall economic growth, you know, I think we're in this secular stagnation that, um, you know, we've been talking about for the last few weeks where economic growth of 2% is probably the long-term trend. And, you know, until we get out of the liquidity trap and until we can start maximizing production and take advantage of any type of, uh, you know, increase in productivity, we're going to see just this weakness continue. So... You know, I, I think 2.5% growth in 2015 is reasonable, and while that's poor considering long-term uh, trends, I think it's above our current potential rate of about 2%. So I still think that things are going to improve, just not improve as much as that we normally expect uh, on a normal economic growth trend. I guess I have one more question, and this is tied towards the premise of uh, children. Do you think it's going to be tougher – for the next generation than it is for our generation as far as economic activity, getting jobs, getting well-paying jobs, getting ahead in life, um, or are the glory days behind no, us? No, I mean, I think that, no, no, I think that, you know, as long as you have technological improvement that increases productivity, you'll have an increase in standard of living. And I don't see, um, you know, that type of uh, of trend changing. I think that, you know, especially in the software side, we're seeing great, vast improvements in technological change, which should improve life. And I think that'll give, you know, our children uh, the ability to make a better life for themselves in the future. You know why I asked that, right? Because the headlines just seem kind of gloomy for a long period of time of below 3% GDP growth, um, higher unemployment than what we were at 5, 10, 15 years ago. It just, it, sometimes the headlines can kind of wear you down a little bit. Well, what would the headlines have been in the 70s when you had uh, rapid inflation or in the 80s when you had you know, massive recessions in the beginning of the year? 
you know, what did things look like you know, right at the end of the, of the recession? You know, at every point in time you can take a snapshot and say, you know, the outlook, the prognosis for our children looks terrible. But in reality is, you know, overall trends are what they are. We have historical growth based on increases in productivity, based on increases in innovation. And if that continues, and I don't see a reason why that should stop, you know, our children will be better off than we were. They'll have, you know, an easier life than we did, and things will get better. Sounds good. Thanks for your help and for cheering me up a little bit. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. He writes a great article. Um, he does little insights here, little insights there. It comes on the show, but he writes a great piece called Economic Insight at Briefing.com. Um, and again, it's just stuff that you and I aren't taught in high school, and it's this is his area of you know expertise that you know, we worked on in college. And he talked about, in a recent article, equity selling off hard. While the 10-year Treasury momently dipped below 2% last week, he puts it completely in perspective for us. Now, instead of seeing a rise in spending, core retail sales were flat recently, and he talks about that. He talks about where we are in, as far as growth trends go. You can learn more about him at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. It's a great website for the consumer investor out there. You can learn more about me at robblack.com. I have a big event coming up this Saturday from 3 to 5. It's in Redwood Shores. It's kind of a meet and greet. Uh, right pre-World Series. Watch the game there. You can learn more about the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about, uh, particularly tied towards investing um, and retirement issues. So don't be shy. Let me see if i got any emails that have trickled in recently. It's always a good kind of tapping the vein and what you're looking for or what you're interested in. For the record, I'm going to go to a conference early next week, and uh, I should come back with some pretty good insights for you. Uh, email came in from Ken. <clears throat> he goes, Rob, when you're talking about needing 10 times your final ending income in retirement, how does that relate to income level? Assuming one lives within their means and does not change lifestyle dramatically after retirement. The second part of the question how does one consider Social Security in the equation? He is in Illinois. A <clears throat> um, couple things. I don't think there's a right answer. Um, I like to say that you need 10 to 20 times your income in retirement. That's a pretty wide swath, right? So if you're making a million dollars or $100,000 a year, you're going to need somewhere between you know, a million to two million to maintain that lifestyle. Now, some people have homes that their granny's going to give them. Some people are walking into inheritances. Some people are living in denial. So I want you to get to 10 to 20 times, and that's going to give you options, which a lot of people won't have. Social Security, I'm not counting on it. Now, I don't know how old Carl is. He may be counting on it. I know that sometime in the next 20 years before I hit retirement, the federal government's going to raise the age, and they're going to cut benefits. Or they're going to tax me more now, or tax me more then. Maybe all four of those things. So it's politically a system that can't survive as is. And you can see what happens to companies and businesses when you overtax them. France is 
a disaster for small businesses. It's easier to live off government in France than it is to start a business in France. Um, so we've got to change our taxing system, and that doesn't really bode well, again, for our generous payment systems that we have, whether it's tied towards health care, whether it's tied towards um, Social Security. Um, if I were to be asked by the federal government right now, uh, if we make a deal with you where we stop taking Social Security out of your paycheck, we'll, and we, we won't tax you on that uh, in, in retirement, we'll stop taking it out now, but you don't get it in retirement, I'd be like, deal. Because um, I just don't believe that they're good at taking my money and using it wisely. I think they're good at taking my money and coming up with a lot of projects that are wasteful. Now, not all of our government is wasteful and not all of it is bad, but I think we can all mostly agree that we feel pretty uncomfortable with, you know, there's a recent report out of Washington that probably cost billions to report talking about the billions of dollars that they mismanage. Um, you know, one project that the government was working on was a machine that would give rabbits a massage, a Swedish massage. Now, certainly the machine was probably tied towards some other big, great concept, but at a time and age where we're like, where's Social Security going to be? It doesn't make any of us feel good. Um, the waste in government is just too high. So to answer his question, how much do you need really depends on your budget, uh, but it also depends on your salary. It depends on, you know, you having a thrifty way of pulling money out in retirement. You probably want to pull no more. You want three years of expenses on the side, and then you want to grow your assets, and then get three years of expenses put on the side, and then grow your assets, constantly replenishing that, you know, drawdown fund. Um, You have to know that in retirement, like, you can't afford to be greedy or fearful. You have to have a plan. That's one of the reasons why 15 years ago I decided to go from being an investment advisor, which I had done for numerous years, to working with financial planners. Um, it's easy to get growth in the market, even in down markets. Um, it's tough to have a financial plan and stick to it. So not bailing on his question, but 10 to 20 times your salary. And again, Ken, if you want to drop me an email again, uh, I'll flesh you out a little bit more. Find out you know how old you are, what assets you got coming to you, what cost you have got coming to you. Because like if, let's say you're... 60, you're retired, and then you have, you know, your 18-year-old daughter starts to go to college, and she wants to go to grad school, and you agree to pay, and, well, it can get kind of complicated, to say the least. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, one interesting story that's out there is, you know, gasoline prices have fallen so much in the last 45 days. Uh, Ford's getting ready to roll out a brand new truck this year or next year, the 2015 model. It goes on sale in December. Uh, it's super light. It's 700 pounds lighter than the last Ford 150. It's 20% more fuel efficient. It actually tows more than the previous model, um, 11% more. It's as much as 20% more fuel efficient. But cheap gas may have people going, you know what, I want a heavier truck. I, I want a big truck. So... Talking about bad timing, huh? Uh, here's the company, you know, did exactly what is the right thing to do, make a better, more technological truck. But because it's lighter, I guarantee you their competitors are going to be going after it. With that said, you can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up, and I would love to see you there at the Bay Club. It's this Saturday from 3 to 5. It's very informal. We're going to be playing bocce ball, talking a little financial planning, and much, much more. You can sign up at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.